0: Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Sarah is gracing us with her presence today because Frenchie is on vacation. I don't know what vacation is. I haven't taken. And he's a vaca- also
1: in London. Like, who goes on vacation in London? I love London. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. that's not like what when you picture vacation, London is not usually it.
0: I think they're in Paris now.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. I yeah. mean, I don't like Paris. I prefer London over Paris anyway. But whole Euro trip.
0: In- never been to either so i can't comment but i'm a no. little jealous because i'm in gloomy pennsylvania at least like it looks sunny where you are i can't really tell
1: it is sunny in miami race week in miami the sun is shining the vibes are high
0: are you We're getting ready like,
1: for a busy week
0: do you have like fun plans like all all week
1: yeah. So we're making um content for grid click all week. And then we have some like fun lunches and dinners and parties and stuff. So it's definitely gonna be a super busy week for sure.
0: Okay. Where can people follow along?
1: Oh my god, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at grid We focus on elevating women in motorsports and women's voices in motorsports. Um or overall diversity in Motorsports so we have some really exciting interviews with a few select people that I won't drop their names just yet but if you follow us you can see a few interviews from them that we're doing tomorrow and Thursday um, and some other pieces that we have planned
0: and your your new Miami stickers that I saw your uh, co-founder yeah. post on on Instagram I'm gonna I'm gonna need to to buy some because I'm gonna need to add those to the laptop collection.
1: Yeah. So we've had a lot of people ask us for merch before, and this is something that we do in our free time outside of our nine to five jobs. So merch has not been something that we've super prioritized, but at least for Miami, we did release a set of limited edition stickers for the Miami Grand Prix. So if you do want those, the link is in our bio on our Instagram for you to get them. Um, And yeah, and maybe if they're successful, we might dig into the merch world a bit more, but not exactly our... uh, Forte at the moment.
0: Gonna need like a hoodie next, I think. You know, personally, you can, you know, you can do like, I forget, like Teespring or whatever, where you don't have any overhead of buying like the merch and whatnot. We did that. Yeah. The quality isn't great, but
1: that's what we're doing at the moment. We have a drop ship. Thing set up so yep. we don't actually have to hold any um inventory we don't have to worry about any of that we just obviously did the design we ordered some samples samples came in and we loved them so um if we continue to find success then we'll probably go through the same person to do other um items we are looking at like doing some fun things like again this is all in plans but not actually being done yet but we're thinking like fanny packs I don't know why Ooh, okay. we're just probably, like feeling the vibe. Probably won't
0: buy a fanny pack. That's not my <laughs> vibe. But also, I like, have to
1: tell you at um the last at Long Beach, I know where you're going. Like, you know where I'm going, but nobody else does. At Long Beach, I, as a joke, got a Aero McLaren fanny pack for my friend, and I ended up having to use it on the airplane ride home because I just like didn't have any pockets. So I was like, okay, great. This is great. Like I don't have pockets, yeah. but I need like my phone, my like ID, whatever. And it came in so handy that I have now kept it and I now wear it almost every day. So sponsor me, Aero McLaren, or at least just pay me the 25 bucks back or whatever it was for that crappy fanny pack that I now use all the time. Have
2: you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. The outcome and what it means for the championship. So, for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Um, I
0: mean, it looks nice. Granted, I'm basing this off of like an Instagram story, but
1: it looks nice. The quality is not exactly there. But I mean, that's just typical with Aero McLaren in general. Sorry, oh. well,
0: Ooh, Moving start on. start <laughs> off with a burn. OK, well, we'll go to F1 first. There's really not too much to talk about. There's not even too much news to talk about. Thankfully, some of this boring stuff probably to save. But let's get done predictions first. OK, let me get up the results too. Frenchie had Esteban Ocon having a good weekend. He finished 15th. So no, I had been Magnus in finished 13th. Also, no. Fairly better. Second in sprint. We both assumed that Max would win the sprint race. So we had second place going to French Had Russell. I had Lance Stroll. We, we screwed the pooch on that one, too. Wait, Dad, I'm sorry.
1: Russell and Lance Stroll for second
0: in the sprint race.
1: In what world would that happen?
0: In a world where we don't pick Max or Sergio every pick.
1: Oh, my God. OK, continue. Yikes. And.
0: Yeah, I know. Bad weekend. Frenchie had Nick DeVries. That's probably as accurate of a pick as we'll have all season. I I had Sergio Perez. We don't need to say any more. We can keep moving on on from that one. This is just a
1: whole lot of chaos.
0: You know, I I went with and I I think I said to Frenchie like afterwards last week, I was like, I want to go hot take on most of my predictions this week and not just pick the obvious things. And I did that. I just wasn't right like even a little bit so there
1: are actually opposites Frenchie was 100% on the mark and you were just
0: all right complete yeah. opposite C- calm down over there
1: I'm excited for Frenchy to listen to this and be like text in a group chat be like heck yeah Sarah taking my <laughs> side
0: yep it's gonna be great and okay so the race it happened it was boring <laughs> it was dreadful Drivers said it was boring because the DRS zones were shorter this year than they've been in years past.
1: Correct. So I also am now seeing a trend where Nick DeVries really likes walls.
3: You know, it's <laughs> like,
1: remember like the Spin era? I feel like there needs to be like a fun terminology for Nick going into walls.
0: Mm-hmm. I see what you're getting at. You're not wrong. He had he had really like just a completely awful weekend. He did, and he made. And it's not new. No, he made Yuki Sonoda look like a good driver this week, and Yuki did have a solid weekend, but like not great. But like he he ended up in the points. Nick ended up in the wall every session of the weekend. (laughs)
1: I love that he ended up at the points, but Nick ended up in the wall. Yeah.
0: So I don't know that team is a mess. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't have too much else on that one. Oh, my predictions went away.
1: Well, I think the the other thing to I think to note about that is obviously when we're looking at other racing series and we're seeing these incredible drivers that.
2: Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.
1: Don't maybe don't have super license points or are not given the opportunity to test or are given the opportunity to test and like aren't moving forward. So, like, obviously, we've seen the likes of Colin Herta, blah, 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 look at the F1 world. And so, of course, you can't know how they're going to perform in f1 but nick is pretty old and so for him to be getting into the sport in his rookie year at his age at the moment and obviously again very early on in the season of course he needs time to adjust and understand and what that looks like but i don't know i think that there's so many other drivers that are going to be looking at his performance and if it just continues at it is they're going to you know be gunning that down
0: i think i asked frenchy this and it might have been a couple weeks ago at this point but so his i'm going to have to google his last F2 season because it's been you know 3 or 4 years here let me let me pull this up his last F2 season was oh god it's 2017 2018 okay his last F2 season was 2018 so that means between then and you know last year when he did one race, he you did one race last year for Williams. I have no idea.
1: Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, yeah. correct.
0: So essentially, there's been five years between F two and F one where he's driven Formula E. He's driven some LMP two cars. He's mm-hmm. driven in the Euro- European Le Mans Series. So I just feel like you know Formula E is is such a different you know, driving style and drive train to a Formula 2 or Formula 1 car, that five-year layoff is way worse than his actual age. Yeah,
1: that's true. No, I agree with that. I completely agree with that. It's actually really surprising and interesting when you see drivers that take, obviously he was racing another series, but take that time off between F2 and F1 and being able to land the F1 seat. Because as for me, working in motorsport marketing as like my full-time job, Some of the drivers that I work with haven't had a ride in a year or two, and it's a lot harder for them to get sponsorship. It's a lot harder for them to get a seat just because it's been a number of years. Again, even if they're racing another series in the interim or even if they're doing other random races in the interim, if they still aren't on that ladder, then it's a lot harder for them to find the time and space that people will give it to them. So that's why I think it's really interesting that Nick was now given this chance and was now brought to F1 when typically you see the ladders happen a lot more closely together. So I completely agree.
0: Does he, I, I and you may not know, does he have sponsor like personal sponsors that are on the alpha towery car?
1: I don't know that answer, but I have to imagine. So,
0: right. I, I would assume so.
1: Yeah. I would I have can't. to assume. So I don't know. I, I don't know that off the top of my head. Um, I don't even really know what his family does.
0: No, I have no idea on this one. This is where we need Frenchie because be, he can just like Yeah, he just it, knows he just it. knows everything. He's like, Yeah, you know, his dad owns a winery in the southern coast of Australia. And
1: where's the phone a friend when you need it?
0: <laughs> I know. Can you imagine if we called him like on vacation? Be like, Frenchie, who is Nick DeVries dad and what it's does a... he do for a living?
1: It's 9 p.m. where he is, so it's actually pretty early.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. But I don't see any. I'm looking at a picture of of the Alpha Tower livery.
1: I'm looking oh. up his family.
0: Yeah, this so website's not even loading.
1: Father. Interesting. His father. The description of what his father does is an authorized person to buy and sell specific goods, especially motor vehicles. So it sounds like he's in some sort of like supply chain role within. Yeah cars and then his mother it literally just says she very exists. little is known about her <laughs>
0: that's it she exists i was i was actually just it looks sarcastic. like his parents
1: got divorced and then she just like doesn't stick around the cameras yeah it just says her private life is largely unknown so yeah. i'm interested to know more about than his father's role in yeah, supporting his son as well if he's in the motor vehicle quote-unquote world and if that maybe has something to do with it as well
0: off topic but yeah. on the f1 side and and in a couple of minutes we'll go to indycar fernando alonso i know he's not your your favorite driver ever but mm-hmm. this weekend a bunch of his radio communication i was listening through what's this, what's this app called MultiViewer for f1 but also what they put through the broadcast, a lot of times was, hey, tell Lance to do this, tell Lance to do that, Mm -hmm. to help Lance Stroll out. This is far and away nothing we would have expected from the Fernando Alonso of maybe the Ferrari era. Are we sensing a slightly older Alonso as maybe being good for Lance Stroll's potential future success? Is there more there than maybe we would have thought before at least before the season started
1: so my answer to your question is yes however i have additional context as well go for it so after i was also when seeing those radio communications happen when he was like i think one of them specifically was like tell lance about my break balance suggestion whatever blah 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 and i saw that i was like oh that's interesting like i wouldn't have expected that from alonzo but like great i'm glad to see it right and then someone had actually asked him in a media interview after the race, hey, we noticed that you've been helping out your teammate, basically asking the same question as you. was like, is this like a newer, yeah. more mature version of yourself? And he basically said, no, I've been doing this forever, but F1 is now just broadcasting it. So I guess they're just trying to take like to me now. And I thought that was really interesting that it seems that F1 has been a part of this story of like his like whatever villain era, villain arc. <laughs> and he's basically was trying to say that he's been super helpful and like whatever helpful, I guess this entire time, but F1 just didn't want to talk about it. But then again, Alonso also calls himself a villain. So I don't know really how much that villain arc is really coming from
0: F1. It's probably a little bit of both, but yeah. good to know.
1: I thought that that was really interesting when he yeah. said, no, I've been I've been doing this my entire time and F1 is now just broadcasting it because I would think that that would be a storyline that F1 would like that Alonso I, is helpful for his teammates.
0: Yeah, I feel like, you know, the, the broadcasters talked about it right after and then clearly did they talked about it a little bit later. But then once it came to Monday and you know the news cycle picked back up, everybody was like, all right, let's talk about Red Bull again and, and pretty much ignored that storyline.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Last thing I have F1 related is Miami. So, let me get up my app here with all the times and everything this weekend, but Sarah, you get to make Miami predictions in a second. Ooh. Last I don't year know we if had I have
1: any.
0: Oh, I'll give I'll 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 make I'll I'll give you the No, topic. no, I'll just
1: I'll make something. Go ahead. Give it to me.
0: Let's see here. Oh, not yet. Hold on. Practice is Friday at, why are they doing it in the military time? I can't read military time that well. <laughs> practice tell one on. is at 2.30. Practice two is at 4 p.m. Friday afternoon. Practice three is Saturday just after lunchtime. Qualifying is Saturday at 4. I think I'll miss qualifying. And then the race is Sunday at. 30. 330, I believe, if I'm reading this correctly here. Yes, it is 330. Yes, look me. I'm so smart. Is there any? I know there's no F2 or F3 this weekend. Is there any other racing going on this weekend? Because there's nothing on the ad.
1: Just Porsche Carrera.
0: Okay, well. So
1: there is Porsche Carrera,
0: but better than nothing.
1: I was actually talking to um, some of my colleagues about this the other day that it's such a shame that they don't have any true supporting series like F2 or F1 Academy. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. That's um, where I was
0: going with this.
1: Well, F1 Academy, I understand because that was announced so late that I'm sure that they just couldn't swing it right like it's just like a lot of that planning for that entire series has been very last minute so i don't expect them to be on the ball as it comes to trying to coordinate that and especially with the paddock this year at hard rock stadium being moved where the f1 paddock was last year was in a really bad spot like it wasn't really near the track it was like a pain in the butt to get to and then in order to like So I had, I was in the supporting paddocks. I was working at the W series last year. And so I was parking in the media parking lot, which is one of the closest parking lots. And it was still like a 45 minute walk to the paddock area, which is like crazy. (laughs) And then if you're a normal person trying to attend this race, like I live in Miami, I love Miami. Miami's great. This Miami last year is the first, Formula One race I went to in person after watching it for so long. Like it was a very important moment for me. It is not a race I suggest fans to go to because the experience is just like not there. Obviously, it's super expensive, whatever. I could have a whole episode just talking about that. But if you're a normal fan trying to get to Hard Rock Stadium, you get and you have a parking pass, you park at a lot like 15 minutes away. And then they shuttle you to basically the media lot, which then you have to walk 45 minutes. So it's like, it's just like a mess and a disaster the entire time. So the paddock specifically, again, to close my loop, um, they moved it from the side of Hard Rock Stadium to actually inside the stadium. So it's on the football field, which I think is really interesting because that means there's shade, there's actually space for like seating and stuff versus last year, it was like all in the sun, really hot, really squished, really narrow, really tight. And then on the outside of it, where the sporting paddock was, which is where Porsche was last year, as well as W Series was last year, they basically just had like tents, but like not even good tents, like if there was a gust of wind, their tent would go over and their car would be screwed. Like, And they didn't have any proper infrastructure for any of the engineering teams. And it was just a mess and a disaster. So my mindset was, okay, if they're moving the F1 paddock from where it was last year to inside the stadium, why wouldn't they be able to take F2 and put it where the F1 paddock was, where there was actual infrastructure, they were in real buildings, they were not in tents, whatever, like there's space for it. And then the Porsche space could take up the whole space that was Porsche and W series last year. Like there's, there's enough space for it. So I don't know why there wouldn't be more supporting series, especially for such a high visibility event like Miami. But then again, I don't work for F1. So I, I don't know why they make the decisions that
0: they do. Fair, fair enough. Okay. Let's see. Oh, F1 predictions. Okay. Let me, let me get out my notepad here so I can write this down. So we don't have to make Frenchie go back and listen. Who is I having mean, that a good... would be fun anyway. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry.
0: And I've probably done that before when he hasn't been able to join. So, you know, sorry, Frenchie. Who's having a good weekend?
1: Um. So after Baku, we're obviously seeing some improvements in the ferrari which i'm liking however we also said that at this time last year and then they ended mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. driving into the ground so i'm kind of scared to jinx it but i think that that would be cool um i'm pretty sure max won here last year if i remember correctly and then it was i think it was max and then the ferrari boys yeah I don't know. I think I'm probably I'm going to go anti host and I'm going to go with what I actually think is going to happen. And I think I'm going to say Max is going to win again, because if you see that Red Bull after they passed in Baku, remember when Um, I think it was it was Max passing Charles going from third to second and he just like soared, just like went. Like, I think someone said like 30 kilometers an hour faster on the straights. And in the Miami track, there's a lot of straights. So I think that that's going to be a max win.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to do a hot take here because why not? Let's say that Fred Alonso has a fantastic weekend and pulls out, I don't know, let's just say at least a podium finish. On that That note, that could be interesting. Who's having a bad finish, a bad finish, a bad weekend?
1: I think Logan is going to totally bomb his home race.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, ouch.
1: your face after I said that? <laughs> that's so funny.
0: And I don't know why I didn't expect it. Maybe because I just I just got a copy of an ad read for a new F1 show on Evergreen, which is this is not the ad read, but Chris Medland is one of the hosts. Oh, that's and cool. And they mention like, hey, mention how Logan Sargent is racing in his home state this weekend. I'm like, oh yeah. So sure. you know what's
1: gonna be really interesting about that is Miami is 70% Latino. So the track itself is gonna be like majority Checo fans, a yeah. much, much yeah. larger majority of Checo fans than there will be Logan fans. And I don't think that Williams has predicted that or thought about that because they're really like Logan's home race. This is gonna be a huge thing for Logan, like trying to like make that their thing when in reality it's like no, no this is this is Checo like that's and a lot of people here don't really understand Logan. So that's going to be interesting.
0: Yep, we could. We I have a whole bunch of thoughts on him, but I'm not going to we maybe yeah. maybe another time. I'm going to on that note, I'm going to say Perez has a bad weekend. I think he's going to get a little too ballsy and maybe make a mistake, make a mistake because he wants to lead the championship after this weekend. And let's end up with one more prediction here. Good, bad. And, okay, this is an over-under. Over-under of 8.5. So the over-under is 8.5. How many times will the marina be mentioned in the race broadcast on Sunday?
1: Oh, over. Over. Way over! Are you okay. kidding? They've already like posted a million things. Because remember last year how there was like the fake <laughs> water or whatever, yeah. and they actually they put real water in it this year. And I'm doing the quotation marks because it's like they just put a pool in when they had pools last year too. So it's right. like the full marina that's around the boats, the fake boats, the real boats that they're importing and putting in the middle of the track, whatever, because of course, um doesn't actually have water around them still. Like that's still fake. So I don't know, but they posted on their socials a million times this week like the marina has real water this year and I'm like, no it doesn't.
0: So, yeah,
1: 100% over. For okay. sure over.
0: I'll take the under just because I don't want to agree with you.
1: Yeah, I got that when you said Checo having a bad weekend.
0: Oh, that's that was totally you just kind (laughs) of made me think like, oh, that would be a fun one to take. Like, I wasn't trying to disagree with you on that one. I just thought that it's
1: interesting. That's interesting because I'm sure that he does feel all that pressure to try to take the championship. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he were to make a mistake because of that.
0: Before we get to IndyCar, the only F1 news I saw is Adrian Newey signed a contract extension with Red Bull. No surprise there. Why would you go anywhere else when they're probably paying you? loads of money and are successful and Toto wolf yep. is teaching an mba course at harvard business school the memes have been fantastic in the hour i saw before we started recording recording and f1 team bosses want changes to sprint format that they created I, because of course quickly
1: quickly before you go on what yep. course is toto cheating cheating teaching
0: Let's see here. He is an executive fellow and guest lecturer. I actually haven't read the article. I'm looking at it right now. He's teaching. Let's see. Does this say. I did. I think I did see it, but I don't see.
1: Is it like a business course or is it like something ridiculous?
0: I'm guessing because it's Harvard. Harvard's business school, I feel like it's going to be some business Course.
1: I don't know. Harvard has some whack courses.
0: I'm I'm not surprised, but I don't see it on motorsport.com in terms of what the course is, and I don't feel like googling okay. it right now.
1: That's fine. I'll find so, it later.
0: That's yeah. really
1: interesting, though. And um, sorry, sprint race. Yeah, I'm shocked that they want to change the format of the sprint race. Couldn't imagine that.
0: Yeah, because you know it got mixed reviews from drivers last week. The reaction from fans has been lukewarm. I don't know what you think, but I'm gonna get my opinion out there real quick. Then we'll get yours. Then we'll go to IndyCar mm-hmm. sprint races in theory, cool. Sprint races in actuality, nobody really wants to take too many chances because they are just going to have trouble come Sunday. So yeah. what's and it wasn't that exciting. Yeah, you know, there was a couple interesting passes. Did it change the grand scheme of the weekend? No. Did it make mm. Saturday or the the whole like race weekend in general that much better? Also, no. So, you know, instead we got Logan Sargent with the, you know another suspension change, and Sergio Perez had a nice win, I guess, mm-hmm. if you call it a win. But really, did it change anything? No. Did it change your opinion of Baku as a whole for the weekend? No. So they're stupid. They're they're a complete waste yeah. of time.
1: In my opinion, it's what they're trying to do with all of this, right? Whether you're talking about the original sprint format that they introduced or it's the new sprint format that they're introducing, is they're trying to gain more interest and excitement for the rest of the race weekend versus just the race itself. So in order to do that, they're trying to gain that extra excitement from the newer fans, keep them engaged because after this big wave, they are scared of losing them. So they want to change the format, make things exciting, fine. You can do that once you can't do that over and over and over again, because then you're just going to lose people. Like if people come in and learn this super complicated sport because they want to watch it and then you change it and then they have to learn that too. And then you change it and then you have to learn that too again, the basis of them changing it is to keep engagement, but they're actually going to lose engagement because they keep changing it and because they're making people learn new things constantly and they just are confused and they're not going to keep up with it. So again, that's like more my marketing perspective versus like the actual racing perspective. But I think if you're going to make a big change like that, you do it and you stick with it.
0: Because I feel like, you know, we've already changed it once or twice previously. And there were so many comments i saw on twitter this weekend that were wait what is this format how is the weekend format what does this do exactly and, and and these are people who like are more than casual race fans so it's not somebody you know who's just plopping down on the tv or watched f1 for the first time this year because of drive to survive like these are people who yeah. i've known for years and are longtime race fans and they're like what the hell is going on right now
1: yeah yeah, and that's how you're going to lose people. Yes. So they're trying to get more TV coverage and TV viewership, but they're just, again, going to lose it because they're just confusing people.
0: Yes, I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about sprint races going forward. IndyCar, yeah. Barber, to me, was super fun. I saw some interesting comments on it. We'll, we'll get to here. The only pre-Barber, only IndyCar news other than Barber is... Tim Sindrick and Tony George are being inducted into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame. Yay. I don't think we need to do too much there. Next week, we'll talk about the slight change to Five Hundred qualifying procedures since, you know, there will be bumping this year, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. And Floyd released the Santino Ferrucci delivery for the 500. It's kind of like the one they had last year, I think. Or two years ago. The red white and blue one i don't even remember who drove it at this point mm-hmm. but i so i don't know if you saw i don't know if you watched it sarah did you watch the indy lights race slash indy next race i still can't call it indy next
1: so i was watching the indy next race side by side with the f1 rewatch okay so yes kind did i of. catch everything absolutely not
0: I think this is the first time I've ever seen. So they were trying to pull a car out of the wall. I think it was Andretti's Louis Foster and the tow truck got stuck in the mud. Now it's Alabama and it rained the night before. So, you know, the ground was wet and I've seen a lot. I've seen actually at Alabama. I saw it wasn't a tow truck, but it was something they were using to push cars out or, you know, tamp down the sand tip over a couple of years ago and when it was real stormy one day so barbara seems to bring out the strangest things in racing i don't know not support vehicles but maintenance maintenance vehicles that's really
1: interesting a lot of the coverage that I noticed as well was they just kept talking about how beautiful it was. And in my mind, I've, I'm from the U S but I've never been to Alabama and Alabama is not the first place that comes to mind when you think about like beautiful nature preserves. So I think that there was like a lot of push on that as well, which I think is especially interesting in contradiction to a tow truck getting stuck in the mud because that is much more Alabama vibes, at least to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. I never thought about that, but from having been to barber a handful of times it is like an amazingly nice place it's probably discounting the indy 500 one of the three like just like most scenic places you go to Mm -hmm. in terms of being in the track Mm -hmm. the second you leave the track you're like oh yeah i'm in alabama this is kind Mm -hmm. of crummy Mm -hmm. i had a hotel for one night it was the first year i was there that like i walk into the room it smelled weird and i was like this is kind of weird but like you know it's a cheap hotel like whatever and mm-hmm. i didn't uh, to, to my fans i did not book this i'm not going to throw who booked it under the bus it's not associated with the show in any capacity or and has never been but and there were cockroaches in the bathroom and i was like absolutely not i will sleep in the car if i have to i don't care i'm not staying here so alabama is kind of crummy No offense to Alabama listeners and residents, but I think that for
1: me, it was like a surprisingly good thing, Like, Like, again, like I'm not from Alabama. I've never been to Alabama. I've never thought about going to Alabama. And so for me, seeing that I was like, oh, like my perspective on Alabama changed because of that in a positive way. I also thought it was really interesting how often they were bringing up the like owner and founder of the track as well. He was involved in like all the media and all the press, which it's not not typical but it's not usually done as much to the degree that they did do it this weekend
0: and that's every year a barber he's i i've i don't know if i've met that met him or but i've been at the previous press conference where they did a contract extension for the race which i guess was 2018 or 2019 mm-hmm. and you know he was very much involved in that i know they mentioned it like 80 times in the broadcast but if you ever go the motorcycle and car museum they have on the grounds is the coolest museum I've been to in terms of like different motorcycles stuff that I like, I know nothing about motorcycles, but it was very cool.
1: Wow. That's awesome.
0: So I just got a really dumb text message. We're going to ignore that. So Why are you let's looking see-
1: at your phone when you could be looking at me? And to our beautiful people, our beautiful audience, much more important than your text messages.
0: Yeah. You know, listen, I multitask every recording. So I know
1: that I, I I know that trust me, I'm aware.
0: So, I mean, nobody, nobody has seen or heard the amount of times I've had to like mute my microphone and like run to the bathroom in the middle of a recording and Frenchie and whoever else is on are just talking away like nothing's happening. Like these are the yeah. things that like the... Very nice listeners don't don't get to, to, thankfully, don't actually typically know that happens.
1: You're breaking the fourth wall for them. Don't take yeah. off the rose-colored glasses, Mike.
0: Okay. Well, I did want to say thank you to everybody who listens, because for the second month in a row, we had 100,000 downloads in a month.
2: Woo!
0: So, yay. And I think if I'm doing the math correctly, we have more than, oh, oh not yet. We have almost doubled- the amount of listeners we had all of last year.
1: Wow! So
0: yeah. All right, Barber. So the thing, and this isn't the first time we've talked about this or probably won't be the last time, but strategy races, you know, this Mm -hmm. case. And I think the TV broadcast did a really good job this year of explaining multiple times throughout the broadcast, the differences who was on what strategy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I love strategy races because in the end you have, and it doesn't always work out this way, but you have McLaughlin on the three-stop. You have Grosjean on the two-stop who's going to win. And you really don't know. Mm-hmm. So it was just to me that, well, who, what strategy is going to come out on top? Are we going to see more change throughout the top five is super interesting. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, as a relative newcomer to IndyCar, Mm -hmm. What did you think of a strategy race?
1: I loved it. I mean, obviously, we already know that IndyCar is more exciting racing than some other series. And there's a lot more overtaking. It's a lot more action. There's just a lot more to be aware of. So when we're watching a race like this, again, as you said, it was super helpful for me for them to explain the differences in strategy. So obviously, as a racing fan, I understand a two-stop versus a three-stop strategy. Like, I understand the benefits, the cons, whatever. Um, and especially as it came to the discussion of on paper, statistically, a three stop is better. However, historically the two stops have won this race. And again, for me as a newer fan, I wouldn't have known that. So it was really interesting to hear that because in my mind, I'm like, Oh, go with the statistics, go with the numbers. But if, Historically, there are reasons for safety cars to come out in ways that they do or they don't, and you try to predict the safety cars, and with those safety cars, then you know that the 2 stop is going to win out. That makes it all the more interesting. So you're taking a racing series that is already much more interesting than the other ones that I am currently watching and aware of, and – giving it that like background and that context and having the commentators be really good at explaining it was super, super helpful for me and it made it just really engaging and a really exciting race for me to watch.
0: Fair. Okay. Good point. I don't think, you know, listen, this was the cleanest race and as far yeah. as I can tell, and I think we figured it out that there hasn't been a race with 26 cars that finished on the lead lab since at least the early nineties. And wow. I don't really know that's you know maybe not totally accurate, but at least since IndyCar reunified in two thousand eight, there has not been a race with twenty-six at least twenty-six cars finishing on the lead lap. Stingray Rob retired, I believe, with a mechanical I, thing.
1: I actually have a question for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: I had heard when I was in Long Beach that the drive, the teams, not the drivers, the teams get paid money from IndyCar every race that they don't crash a car. Is that true?
0: I, hmm, I don't know. That's, I'll send, I'll pull out my phone and send a text message.
1: Is it to Frenchie? Can we bother him on vacation?
0: No, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to text somebody who, who probably knows.
1: Is it the other person, excuse me, that I'm thinking of?
0: No, no, it's I don't want to give away his name on the show, but he's in. A, he's a longtime IndyCar media ex, expert, so he would probably know.
1: Got it. I also heard this from um probably an inside source. So if I just broke open the fourth wall of Indy that we shouldn't be talking about, <laughs> that would probably be a problem. But the person I told me didn't tell me that it was secret news. I just thought I didn't know it.
0: Is it like prize money? Like, Did they?
1: No, it's just like Indy doesn't want people to be crashing so that it's sure. like almost like bonuses it's like they get a bonus for every race that they don't crash in
0: is that true okay so we'll find out Community. soon
1: because i wonder if that's also like i'll be well also alabama it's kind of hard to crash into things it's not like it's a tight street yeah. course but um That just could be an interesting thing for drivers to have top of mind as well, especially as it comes up to the 500 of like they want as much money as possible in the bank. So that's just an interesting like not even strategy thing, but just to be more aware and more careful.
0: Yeah, I I'm going to guess and say it's not true. Obviously, we'll find out whenever I find out. But because Barber is still. Yeah, there's no obviously walls there, but it's still on the narrow side compared to most tracks. So it's still pretty risky yes it is not true so it's not true it is not interesting
1: true. i heard that from an inside source so i wonder why they think that i am now so curious but i will i'm seeing them in like 2 hours so i'll question them in 2 hours about okay. it okay
0: yes i the person i i texted i trust with yeah, every every potential rumor so anyway yeah fair point it's you know listen I think the big difference and like this isn't you really can't compare to F1 maybe to a small degree but more so to NASCAR is car guys and drivers have a mutual respect for each other even if they don't like each other like listen we know Connor Daly doesn't like Santino Ferrucci I'm, I mean mm-hmm. a lot of drivers don't like Santino Ferrucci for you know whatever reason we don't need to mm-hmm. worry about that but they also know at the end of the day that you know, this is a dangerous sport and I'm going to give the guy the respect on the track that I would expect to be given. So I think because, you know, you saw Grosjean and McLaughlin, you saw Grosjean and Malukas, you saw Ray Hall dive bomb somebody a little bit, but they always give each other room and not, you know, not two feet of room. It might be two inches of room. Yeah, but there's still there's a little bit more respect there, especially than. Yeah. Than you know, seeing Ross Chastain punt somebody 15 laps into a 400 lap NASCAR race.
1: Well, even when it comes to the McLaughlin Grosjean bit that the commentators were really driving up this week following St. Pete, they have a mutual understanding that it was a racing incident. Right. And neither of them. Yep are mad at each other and they're just like, we're here to race. We're here to do this. So I think that mutual respect is something that's super interesting and it's super cool to see in this sport, because again, there's so much, there's so much more action. There's so many more overtakes, which means there's so much more room for error and risk. And so having that respect and not crashing into each other all the time is obviously a good thing.
0: Yes. Agreed. Let's see. Stingray race was pretty clean. Otherwise strategy. We've gone over that. Let's go. Let's go back to Frenchie's text messages here and pull up the predictions for IndyCar. Mine are equally as bad. I know you're not surprised. <laughs> so no comment. Yeah. I plead the fifth. So Frenchie had Pato having a good weekend. Pato finished. Pato he finished, finished in a Good yep. spot,
1: but not as good as usual.
0: I, I just don't think that McLaren in general had the top-end pace that they usually do at Barber. Pato won it last year. Didn't have it this year, but fourth is you know still good points. I had yeah. Lot. He finished 13th, started 17th. Eh, not a bad weekend, especially after Long Beach, but nothing impressive. Bad weekend. Frenchie had Ferrucci. He finished 20th. Was never really a factor all weekend. So sorry, Ilot didn't start. Seventeenth, he got seventeen points this weekend. I I can't read this article from lovely friend Kevin Dujuski. So we'll ignore that. And bad weekend. I had Grosjean <laughs> clearly, clearly, <laughs> clearly nailed that one. So you know why? Like
1: why? What would make you choose him?
0: So, I yeah
1: the hesitation it's the hesitation for you me. you know what
0: you know what ma'am until you listen when we make fun of you for not being part of any of the PLP racing fantasy leagues you don't have any room to talk yeah that's, that's fine, fine. I accept. So, I just thought that he's been on you know he's been on fire barber is a track because it's di- it's super hard to pass it was built for motorcycles you know 20 yeah. years ago whenever that if you put a wheel wrong you could be in trouble and as an aggressive driver wouldn't be the first time somebody's put a wheel wrong there. So that was yeah. all I was going. I wasn't like it wasn't purely a hot take with no reason like my F1 predictions typically are. Anyway, that's that. There is no race this weekend. I don't think there's too much IndyCar news to go off of. You know, it Pato is a little bummed about strategy, but to me, I don't. Did you did you watch Barber last year, Sarah? Okay, no. I think so. so it was again the two stop versus three stop, and then there was a caution, not right where the caution was this weekend. Like this weekend's caution played right into the three stops, lit to and kept them in the game. That did not obviously happen last year. It totally the caution was long enough that it made the two-stop a significantly viable strategy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't fault McLaren or anybody who went with the two-stop strategy because you assume at some point, somebody's going to, there's, there's going to be more than one caution for four laps or five laps or, or whatever it was. So I don't think you can blame teams for trying the two-stop strategy.
1: And the caution this year, again, I did not watch last year, but I, did some research and I was just looking it up. Um, what I had found, what I had heard, which again might not be true, is that the caution this year came a lot later than it typically does at Barber.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, Because I, I would... think
1: I'd seen that like there hasn't been a race at Barber that I didn't have a caution, which is normal. I feel like most races, like 90, 90th percentile of races have some sort of caution, but that... Um, I remember getting a few texts during the race of like, wow, I'm surprised that caution hasn't come out yet, because this is Barber and that it's usually earlier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, usually, I mean, you know, there's always the lap one, turn one, yeah. anywhere that could happen. But usually at Barber, mm-hmm. there's always been two or three cautions. Oh, I guess the last thing, you might not have like a too strong opinion on this one is, you know, newer to IndyCar. But When the caution happened, I'm sure you saw, they do not throw the yellow flag right away.
1: Correct, I did see that.
0: They let guys finish the pit cycle when a car is not on fire, smashed bits everywhere, he's offline. Probably nobody there, at at, I don't remember what turn that is, nobody's going to go off track by pushing too hard and hit Stingray at that point. So they Mm -hmm. finish the pit cycles and then they throw the yellow flag to collect the car naturally mm-hmm. the internet once again is up in arms so before i give my thoughts do you have any thoughts on that one and it's okay if you don't
1: i think i do but i think there are more questions than thoughts because again yeah. i don't know what it, the normality is right so in many other racing series you throw the flag up immediately No matter what's happening on the track, especially if it's on the track, but even if it's pulled off to the side, a lot of people like uh, most series just immediately throw the flag up. So what is the reasoning for not doing that just because it's not getting in the way of people and only when they go to pick up the car, it'll actually get in the way. And like beyond that, if that is the reasoning, then how do they like what? I guess my question is, what what is in the rules and regulations that decides that that is how that operates and the meaning behind that?
0: So there was a big change in philosophy. I was texting about it with somebody this weekend. It's been years now. Like, this is not a new thing. It's been five years at least, four years at least, because what would happen before, you know, they throw the yellow flag right away. It makes the two-stop strategy better, and it makes the three-stop strategy totally garbage. So mm-hmm. I think the flip was maybe when Kyle Novak became the director of race control, and he said, "I'm not." This isn't exactly what he said. I'm just kind of guessing. Let's take a caution like that, or actually, it was that Barber a couple of years ago where Graham Rahal ran out, uh, his battery died, and he was again somewhere where if you're driving too fast and you put a wheel wrong and you spin, you're still not going to hit them. If you are driving fast and you nail the apex and you're coming out of the apex, you're still not going to hit them. Like it just, you know, there's zero chance you're going to hit the guy.
1: So is this just this rule? Does this only exist at Barber?
0: No, it's, uh, that's just the most example, like the easiest example I remember. Got it. But, you know, if there are, um, you know, if there are, potential injuries involved if there are you know carbon fiber bits everywhere if there is i don't know potential that a safer barrier is damaged like yeah the yellow flies yeah this is
1: like that can't happen at nashville there's nowhere to pull over like correct. you're in the way
0: correct exactly this is not everywhere this is probably a road course sort of thing or yeah you know maybe a street course if they pull off far enough into you know, runoff zone where it makes no difference. Sure. Mm-hmm. But again, Andy Carr has been calling races this way for multiple years now. And the fact people are like, oh, they need to throw the yellow. What? Well, why are you expecting anything different?
1: Mm-hmm. And so I think my perspective on all of this, again, as like a newer fan that has not, you know, I'm not as yeah trained as you I understand and I appreciate how this different strategy of waiting to call it the yellow if there is really no harm to keep the field even. I like that. I appreciate that. I think the only issue that really comes in here is an issue again that I'm pulling this from my knowledge of Formula One is that leaves room for human intervention on, okay, when do we call a yellow Mm -hmm. and why Mm -hmm. do we call a yellow? So having that those humans making those decisions without precise rules and regulations for when, why, how, is leaves that room for differences. And maybe that's also another reason why people could be angry about it and up in arms about it, because you're just giving them their own discretion to decide when and where and how to do that, which obviously is not always understood or preferred.
0: Yeah, I, I see. I understand, um, you know, from from my standpoint. And I think like this is something I've said probably like way too many times in general, whether it's something like this or. You know, a penalty call or, you know, a decision like that is and I know like Alex Rossi has said this on his podcast a bunch. He doesn't care if they say every time this is a caution and every time this isn't a caution or, you know, this is a penalty or this isn't a penalty or there's gray area as long as it's consistent. So the drivers know, hey, Stingray is off there. They're probably not going to throw a yellow. So And, you know, it's been five years and I think they've been pretty damn consistent. Maybe not so much on the penalty side of things, but on the caution side of things. Yeah, you, you can pretty much tell when there is or isn't going to be in a situation like that. So... I know what you mean, but it's just... But
1: if there's been consistency, then that makes that move.
0: It's, you know, this isn't, like, a new thing. Like, this has been... Like, they made that change, I'm going to say, when Kyle Novak became IndyCar race control director here, and we're going to look up when Kyle Novak took over as IndyCar director. Does Kyle Novak have a Wikipedia page? Okay, it was January 5th, 2018. Kyle Novak was named race director of the then Verizon IndyCar series. So it has been, you know, five seasons. We're going on season six now of Kyle Novak. This Mm -hmm. is nothing new. This is not a surprise. We should just listen. Whether you like it or not, you know what's coming. And if you know what's coming to me, you just learn to like, be like, all right, it happened. Yeah. Because I think... Before, before that, I don't know, let's call it a rule. Before that decision-making rule, there was a race, I might have been Toronto of 2017, where Scott Dixon was just, he was going to run away with it. And a caution came out and he ended up finishing like 18th because of oh my just, just the way it flipped strategy game completely. So they're yeah. trying to take out things like that where it completely yeah. screws somebody over. That's yeah. the best example I can give
1: no i appreciate that it's trying to keep the playing field even
0: yeah yeah anyway that's all i have so let's wrap it up with a reminder so since you're in miami you'll be at the track all weekend where can people follow you and what i know you can't say who you're interviewing but what else do you guys have going on this weekend if we didn't if i didn't if you didn't mention anything
1: yeah, 100%. So, um as I mentioned at the top of the episode, most of our content is going to live on GridClick on Instagram. I also have my own personal Instagram that will definitely be populated but with probably a lot more. Actually, it might be interesting because um I'm just very friendly with a lot of the Formula 1 world and so what goes on my page is a lot of the BTS. So like just the hangouts with the people that work in F1 like after this I'm headed off to meet um, lissy McIntosh, Ariana Bravo, Clint Montgomery, Laura Winters, like they're all hanging out together right now and they're texting me, like, where are you? Come over. So <laughs> my my account will have like a lot of the interesting BTS okay. of um some F1, but the like official content will be on GridClick. And then if you are in Miami and you would like to come meet us, um, we'll be posting more information again on our Instagram. I believe we're going to try to do a meetup on Thursday at the Racing Fan Fest that is in Wynwood. Um If that doesn't happen, then we will be doing a meetup at the track. We did a meetup at the track last year, and that was very hard because the track is just massive and it takes forever to get everywhere. We still had a crowd of like 50 people, which was like nuts in my mind. And I didn't even know fifty it's hard. It's hard to do
0: at any track. I've I the only person who seems to do meetups well is Bob Pachris for NASCAR. Otherwise, it's just so hard to organize.
1: It ended up working out fine. But again, one of the issues with the Miami track is people don't have service and it's very big track. And even last year. It was like, I think, 95 degrees outside. So it was just like boiling hot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that face is correct. Last year was disgusting. This year, thankfully, the weather's a lot better. But in either way, shape, or form, we're going to be trying to do a meetup, I believe, on Thursday afternoon. We'll confirm all of that on the Grid click socials. Um, and then we also have a group chat. So if you are in Miami and you are arriving too late or you don't want to meet up and talk to people face-to-face, because I totally understand that, same vibes. I get it. I also hate people. So does host. Um, we have a WhatsApp group chat that you can join that's basically in so far a lot of people talking about all the different events that they're going to this week or what's going on at the track. So um, we even had someone send a photo today of the Williams pop-up that opened yesterday that it's like it's empty now, but by the weekend it's going to be crammed and crazy. So yeah, just keep up with us there. And then that's how you can find us in person as well if you are so inclined. Um, and we'll be doing a lot of content while we're there but also a lot of like of course news and interviews and kind of everything under the sun
0: cool well have fun and Thanks. good luck i'll share stuff out i don't know maybe from the personal page i seem Interesting. to get more engagement when i share stuff from my personal page than the podcast page Interesting. and i have
1: well you guys are on twitter anyway
0: stuff. yeah twitter is more of the podcast thing the yeah. instagram like I have it, and we post stuff on occasion. But like the list, yeah. the like a, an Instagram story for the podcast, and we have like five thousand followers on there, and I'll get like fifty views on it. Like, there's just no what? engagement. It's just no engagement on there.
1: That's wild. Well, I yeah, don't... that's what happens when you're on Twitter, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Like we're, we, we ha- again, we're we're opposite. We have a Twitter, but mm-hmm. we I think we've tweeted like literally twice, maybe three times. Like we I were not. Really I, on I was
0: it. sitting next to you when you made the grid click yeah. Twitter.
1: Correct. And that was at Daytona, probably.
0: I think it was when we were still in Miami, but it was that week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was that week. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, we still haven't tweeted. So Instagram is where you find us. That's just where we exist. Um, and we, that's also because we make a lot of photo and video content. Like that's, that's primarily what we do. So that doesn't really work as well on Twitter. It's just not really the right format. Um, so yeah, we're, we're Instagram people.
0: I am. Addicted now to the CapCut app on my phone. I have multiple videos from my NASCAR experience. Like, I have one right now that I don't think I'm going to use, but I just might post on my personal Twitter for fun. But I took a couple videos. I had no idea what I was doing in NASCAR land. Like, I was totally. I might be going to my first
1: NASCAR race in July. I might be going to Chicago.
0: Okay, that's fun.
1: Just FYI, not confirmed
0: i'll FYI. be at pocono for nascar also in july
1: that's so exciting um but on cap cut for those of you who don't are not flies in the wall and don't see into host and i lives um host tell me probably have a two-hour meltdown at daytona trying to get cap cut to work because it was like automatically doing something that i didn't want it to do whatever it was like literally driving me up a wall and i was about to cry and host is like there, there my child it'll be okay and then you just walk away <laughs> it's yeah. just so great sounds,
0: it sounds like me i so on the on the iphone app there's a lot of like pre-made templates that are handy to make like a really quick video they're not yeah. great when you're trying to like totally customize a video and for nascar i'm not trying to totally customize a video because i didn't even know what i was sh- like i didn't know what i should be focusing on because i was so new to that was the first nascar race i've been to and 14 years 15 years that sounds like
1: that was me at sebring
0: (laughs) yeah right and so yeah anyway we'll we'll stop babbling on about behind the scenes stuff that nobody cares about everybody enjoy f1 this weekend thanks for listening love you guys and frenchy have fun on vacation come back safe
3: and goodbye hey there and welcome to the valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos!